Bob here again. In this podcast, I'm going to explain why the teachings of scriptures need to be qualified. Contrary to what many of you think, many of the truths of scriptures, and especially God's teachings for believers in the church age, need to be qualified. But that, I mean, there's a condition for receiving these promises from the Lord. There's something that God expects us to do in order to receive the blessing or the advantage or the godly outcome of a promise he makes is a requirement on our part. It's just, God doesn't just hand his promises out like the candy man. The good Lord doesn't make any of his children grow or mature if they don't want to grow or mature. The good Lord doesn't make a believer walk in a manner which pleases him if they choose not to do that. The good Lord doesn't grow up or mature a believer just because they're his children. That child of his has to want or desire to want to grow and mature in the things of the Lord. Now, I'm going to share this quite a bit in my podcast, a couple times in this podcast, where Heavenly Father always tells his children, if you do as I say, then I promise to do as I say. Because of all the social media sites out there in the internet realms, it's easy for wannabe Bible scholars to simply throw out supposed biblical stuff, pious-sounding stuff, hoping to make themselves sound all righteous and holy and wise in their knowledge of the Scriptures. But what I've noticed about a lot of these general Bible promises from the Scriptures that are tossed out there by people who don't know what they're talking about is that they never qualify these promises from the Lord. To qualify something means to reduce something from a general thought or idea to a more specific or targeted thought or idea. Here's a great example of what I mean. So there's about 20 different ways that this scenario plays out with when the angels visit the shepherds in the field on the day that Yeshua Christ is born. But it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14, in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying out loud, Glory to God on the highest and on earth, peace among men. Now, unfortunately, 90% of the time, this is where everyone who talks about this story stops the story. But that's not what the verse says. I know, I think it's part of the satanic dream to destroy God's word because so many times I hear people sharing parts of Bible verses. You need to understand, brethren, that a half-truth is a lie. And no matter how many half-truths you had tied together, they all add up to a lie. So if he were to read the whole verse that them heavenly hosts were praising God, this is what the verse says. The verse says, And a peace on earth among men with whom God is pleased. You never hear that part, with whom God is pleased. So the condition for being at peace with God is to please God. Pretty simple stuff, isn't it? Now, one of the major ways that we please God is by becoming a child of God. That is pleasing to the Lord. But that's just the start of our spiritual journey. 
Once we become a born-again believer, the Bible is clear, and there's lots of things we need to learn and understand. In fact, we're commanded to learn those things which please the Lord and then do those. So as a born-again child of God, if we want to have peace with our Heavenly Father, we need to be pleasing Him, not simply be born again. Brethren, I've shared it thousands of times over the years. Unless you are a brand-new believer, it takes much more than simply being born again to please the Lord. Again, remember what the definition is for qualifying. To qualify something means to reduce something from a general thought or idea to a more specific, targeted thought or idea. Here's a general thought that's found in the scriptures. We hear it all the time. The good Lord is full of loving kindness. And that's true. But that thought needs to be qualified. Here's what the Bible says who God actually has loving kindness for. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Now, therefore, know the Lord your God. He is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to the thousandth of the thousandth of the generation to those who love and keep his commandments. See, that's qualifying how God uses his loving kindness. He uses his loving kindness for those children of his who please him. So God's loving kindness comes with a condition. And the condition is you keep his commandments. The Bible also says the same thing about God's compassion. He has compassion for those who are upright and walk in his ways. The idea that God has compassion and loving kindness for everybody just because they're his children is an absolute lie. There's nothing true about that at all. And not only do we need to qualify God's promises from the scriptures, God's teachings or doctrines also need to be qualified. By that, I mean that we just don't have the authority to simply pull stuff out of the scriptures. I call it cherry picking. And then try to apply them to the church age when the good Lord never intended those teachings that we've cherry picked out of the scriptures to be used for the church age. Now, there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that can apply for the church, but the stuff in the Old Testament was not written for the church. I personally believe that the most obvious church age example of incorrectly teaching that the Lord wants believers in the church age to do or to not do something is found in Acts chapter 2. Brethren, what is going on in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost needs to be qualified. I've done at least two podcasts explaining for numerous reasons why the Lord never intended for what happened in Acts chapter 2 to become a church doctrine. Sadly, many believers in today's signs and wonder-seeking churches have been duped into believing that what went on on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is applicable for today's believers. Brethren, it is not. No, I'm not going to delve into all the reasons why it's not. I've been, like I said, I've done a couple podcasts on this. Please listen to them, explaining why the day of Pentecost, those supernatural events that took place, are not for the church age today. Brethren, contrary to what many of you are taught, the good Lord never intended that every Bible verse, thought, or promise, or statement, or even teaching found in the New Testament should be conditionally applied to all believers in the church age. Let me give you some examples of what I mean. I will just use these two verses. There are many more other verses I could use, but both of these are from the Apostle Paul. Let me share this verse first. I believe that the verse I'm about to read is one of the most abused, i.e. incorrectly interpreted Bible verses that's out there. Philippians 1.6 For I, Paul, am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Yeshua Christ. Now, this is a promise verse from the Lord. 
that's my term. I use the term promise verse for those Bible verses where the Lord promises to do something for or to or through his children. Let me quickly give you an example of a great promise verse from Christ himself. He said, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely seek all kinds of evil against you because of my name. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. Now, this promise verse from Yeshua Christ does not apply to all believers. This promise verse from Yeshua Christ applies to all those believers who are persecuted because of their faithfulness. Qualifying factor for receiving this promise from Christ is that a believer will have to suffer in order to receive it. So let's get back to the Bible verse in Philippians that I just read. Philippians 1.6 For I, Paul, am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Yeshua Christ. Now again, this is a promise verse from the Lord. However, this promise verse from the Lord needs to be qualified. This promise verse from the Lord was written to the faithful Philippian believers. It's not a promise verse for all believers simply because they are a believer. As I will show you shortly, the Philippian believers earned or merited this promise from the Lord. Let me explain what I mean by what I just said. First thing that you need to understand is that this Bible verse promise was written just to the faithful Philippian believers. Where it says, he who began a good work in you, the you spoken of in this verse are the faithful Philippian believers. Just because the Apostle Paul was sharing these encouraging words to the Philippian believers, that does not mean that the Apostle Paul was telling any and all believers then or in the future that the good Lord was going to perfect, i.e. complete or accomplish his will, in every one of his born-again children simply because they are his children. Okay, let's look at what the qualifying reason was for the Apostle Paul giving these Philippian believers this promise verse from the Lord. So in order to do that, we have to back up a little bit. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Every time I think of you Philippian believers, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make requests for you, and I do it with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. There it is. These Philippian believers had been faithful in sharing the gospel message of Christ with the lost from day one. And not only that, the Apostle Paul gave a special shout-out to these faithful Philippian believers when he said, For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. The English word partners in the NAS Bible is a Greek word koinonia, and it means contributors or sharers. Thus, Paul's introductory thanks to the Philippian believers was not only their faithfulness in sharing the gospel of Christ themselves, but also the financial support that they were sending Paul so that his evangelism ministry could keep going. So in light of the faithful commitment that the Philippian believers had in getting out the gospel of Christ, whether personally or through their ministry giving, the Apostle Paul knows that these Philippian believers were truly walking and abiding with the Lord. And the ultimate result of that will be that the Lord will accomplish, i.e. perfect, his will or God-honoring purpose through them because they were faithful children. Now, the promise that the Lord will accomplish or perfect his will in other believers besides the Philippian believers is available to all believers so long as that believer is striving at working at walking in a manner which pleases the Lord. By that I mean that this Bible verse 
promise is not a promise for each and every believer simply because they are a believer. And I need to share that because many people in the church simply grab this promise verse and then try to apply it as a promise for all of God's children, regardless of how they are living their spiritual lives. So again, the Apostle Paul says these good things about the Philippian believers because he knows that because they're abiding with the Lord, the Lord is going to be able to complete what he started in them, which was to keep growing and maturing and becoming a more God-honoring Christian. Again, God being able to accomplish his will and his children doesn't happen simply because somebody is his child. There has to be this attitude of striving to walk in obedience to him, to have a humble heart, a teachable spirit, and to be doing the things that he commands you to do. So again, the promise that the Apostle Paul gave to these Philippian believers is not a promise for each and every believer simply because they are a believer. And I need to share that because so many in the church simply grab this verse and then try to apply it as a promise for all of God's children, regardless of how they're living in their spiritual lives. So again, this Bible promise verse from Philippians that says, and that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Yeshua Christ is not applicable for carnal believers who are choosing to not do or obey the ways of the Lord. Now, they, there's application if they choose to get right with God, then the Lord can accomplish his will in his life. But if they're not repenting, if they're not dealing with their sins, definitely the Lord's not going, going to mature them up. The Lord's not going to be able to accomplish his will in their lives. Here's an example of what I mean. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. Brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as carnal believers living in the flesh, simple-minded believers in Christ. I gave you spiritual milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive solid food. Even now you're not able, for you are still on mommy's milk. You are fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly thinking? Are you not behaving as the unsaved do? Now, once the Apostle Paul gets done rebuking these carnal Corinthians, he doesn't say, and by the way, the good Lord is going to perfect the work he started in you. He doesn't know. He's not promising that. Paul knows the Lord's not going to accomplish anything in these believers' lives if they don't repent and deal with their sins. Again, these are tough words from Paul. However, please listen to me. The harsh rebuking words that the Apostle Paul shares with these carnal Corinthian believers was not directed at or intended for all believers. Just as the words that the Apostle Paul spoke in Philippians 1.6 were not directed at or intended for all believers, the words that he shares with these carnal Corinthians is directed specifically at these carnal Corinthians. Now, there's application for all believers who are carnal like this, but that doesn't mean that all believers are carnal like this. I truly hope you're understanding my point and what I'm trying to get across here. It's important for God's people to understand just because you read things in one church epistle, it doesn't mean that the application is for all believers. There's all different situations. Some believers were carnal. Some believers were baby believers. Some were immature. Some were just loving the world. There was there was Christians who were stumbling. There was There's all different levels of spiritual maturity going on. You just can't grab a Bible verse like Philippians 1.6 and apply it to all believers. Again, I share this podcast topic because there are a lot of well-meaning believers who are tossing out all kinds of promises from God without qualifying who or why they apply or do not apply to God's children. Let me give you some simple examples of what I mean. Deuteronomy 28.1. 
The Lord your God sets you on high above all the nations of the earth. Now, it would be easy to throw out a promise like this from the Lord and encourage a lot of people with what the Lord promises in this verse. However, I would be deceiving people if I did this because the ending of the verse says, if you diligently obey the Lord your God and be careful to do all that he commands you, then I will lift you up high above all the nations of the earth. So the qualifying factor for the Lord promising to set the nation of Israel above all other nations is to obey him and to keep his commandments. So again, the promise from the Lord to set the nation of Israel high above all their nations is conditional. The condition being that if God's people do as the Lord commands, then he will keep his end of the deal and do as he promises, and he will make the nation of Israel great among all the nations. Let me read a few more conditional promise verses from the Lord. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the believer who perseveres under trial. For once they have been approved, they will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So the verse says, for once they have been approved. This implies that the believer hears a well-done, good, and faithful servant at the judgment seat of Christ, then they will receive this special reward crown of life. Once they have been approved means that they were approved of by what God saw them doing. God approved of what they were doing. God did not approve of the carnal Corinthian believers in their unrepentant, sinful lifestyle. If a believer is approved by God, that means they're doing the right thing in God's eyes. Let me give you another conditional promise verse from Yeshua Christ himself. Matthew 19, verse 27. Then Peter said to Christ, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What will there be for us in the next life? Is what he's implying. And Yeshua Christ said to them, Truly I say to you, that you who have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake, will receive as many times as much and will inherit eternal life. This is a promise from Christ. But please notice that it's a conditional promise. So basically, Peter is asking the Lord what he, they, Christ's followers, are going to get for leaving everything behind to walk faithfully with Christ and even walk faithfully after Christ is gone. Now, here's a side note. Now, a lot of believers were considered arrogant for Peter to even ask this, and yet Christ did not rebuke Peter for asking this question. In fact, Christ plainly tells Peter and all his followers that, yes, there is a special honor bestowed on those believers whom the Lord deems faithful. Now, this eternal life that Christ speaks of is a reward eternal life. It means a better eternal life. So that means when you get to the next life at the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to have a special honor, special reward, special blessings, a special, maybe a special relationship with Christ in the kingdom. That's all the benefit that you're going to get for being faithful and serving him. This reward eternal life is not given to people just because they're born again. This reward eternal life is something that's earned through a believer being faithful in their walk with Christ. So that means that this reward eternal life has a condition. And the condition is if you want to get it, you need to walk with the Lord in a manner that's, that is pleasing to the Lord. Now, again, you need to notice that this promise from Christ is 
a conditional promise. It's not given out to somebody just because they're born again. A person who's born again can't read these verses and say, see, see, I'm going to get this reward eternal life too because I, I'm born again. No, it's, it's not how it works. This is a re- eternal life that you earn by being faithful in your walk with the Lord. If you spend any amount of time on social media sites, you will see hundreds, if not thousands, of Bible verse promises being shared. As though the Lord is a candy man God who simply passes out his promises to whoever reads them. And worse than that, there are a lot of believers in the church who foolishly believe that the Lord freely gives his promises even to those children of his who don't seek for them. Brethren, I could give you a long list of conditional Bible verse promises that ignorant people simply toss out on social media sites hoping that somewhere in Christendom, Some ignorant Bible believer will grab hold of that Bible promise as though it was intended for them. Entire sermons have been built around a half-truth or part of a Bible verse. Please, again, understand that a Bible half-truth is a lie. And a half-truth plus another half-truth is still a lie. Half-truths never add up to the truth. So that means when people toss out these Bible verse promises without qualifying how a believer gets them, They are sharing a half-truth with you. They are lying to you. They are deceiving you with a false hope because they're not putting the conditional requirement on receiving that Bible verse promise that they were quoting. And sadly, many of today's worship songs are loaded with promises from God that are not qualified. Again, many, many worship songs have half-truths in the Bible verses. You know, one of the most popular half-truths of scriptures that is used to dupe people into believing how God works is telling people that the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Now, those words sound all pious and righteous, don't they? Problem is, it's a lie. Here's what all the words say in those Bible verse promises from the Lord about God's love being everlasting. Psalm 103, verse 17 through 18. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. And this is normally where most Bible quoters stop. This is where most worship songs stop. However, the verse does not stop there. It goes on to say, The loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those children of him who fear him, and his righteousness to his children's children on those believers who keep his covenant and remember to obey his law. Are you hearing the requirement or condition for having the loving kindness of the Lord on you forevermore? You have to fear him, keep his commandment, and remember to obey his word. The idea that the Lord is going to put some kind of special blessing on his children simply because they're his children and they're not living as faithful children is simply absurd. Here's what the Lord thinks about his rebellious children who were going through the motions. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11 through 15. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me? Says the Lord, I've had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of your fed cattle. I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you to trample my court? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and no Sabbath and the calling of the assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you multiply your prayers, I will not listen to you. Ouch, 
ouch and double ouch. Now, the Lord does promise a lot of stuff in those verses, but it's bad stuff because he sees his children as lukewarm, lackadaisical believers going through the motions, and they turn his stomach. He's sick of this stuff. In fact, if I was going to read on further, you're going to see, you would hear that he's about to punish them because of their rebellious, defiant, disobedient attitude. There was no righteous, godly promises from the Lord for their behaviors. It was condemnation and rebuke and chastisement. So what I'm going to share next is why one reason why it's important that God's people should not cherry-pick Bible verses and just take the stuff out of the scriptures that they like to hear. Isaiah 63, 7-10 I will tell of the Lord's unfailing love. I will praise the Lord for all he has done. I will rejoice in his great goodness to Israel, which he has granted according to his mercy and love. He said, they are my very own people. Surely they will not betray me, will they? And he became their savior. In all their suffering, he also suffered. And he personally rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. Now everything sounds pretty good so far, doesn't it? And then pow, God hits his rebellious children right between the eyes with the truth. He goes on to say, but they rebelled against me and grieved my Holy Spirit. So I became their enemy, and I fought against them. Ouch! Wow! Verses like these show us that God's mercies are not unconditional. Again, this stuff is written to and for professing believers, but these are carnal believers. I can guarantee you that the Lord's not going to accomplish his perfect will in the life of these rebellious children. In fact, these verses are relating to all them believers that came out of Egypt. And you know what? Millions of adult believers were saved and rescued out of Egypt, and yet only two adult believers made it to the promised land. The, less, the rest of those believers were killed by the Lord. They died. They wandered around the desert till they all died. Definitely the Lord was not allowed to accomplish his perfect will in their life because they were rebellious, disobedient children. Luke chapter 1, verse 50 tells us that God's mercy is upon generation after generation to those who fear him. You want to receive God's mercy, then have a reverent fear of him. You want God to be gracious with you, then have a repentant, humble heart. I bring up all these conditional promise verses that, because God's people need to do a much better job of spiritually discerning biblical truth and not so easily accept the false hopes of all those false teachers who are out there schmoozing you with unconditional promises that are not found in the scriptures. In Psalm 32, 8, it says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway. For your life, I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked believer, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey him, shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me, do as I told you. Then the God of peace will be with you. I could go on and on and on with Bible verses that clearly show that the Lord's promise verses are conditional. In fact, I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to tell you the only two unconditional promises that the Lord ever gave this world was the rainbow promise and Calvary. Every other promise from the Lord comes with a condition. And the condition is, God says, if you do as I say, then 
and only then will I do as I promise. Now again, the focal point for this podcast was not to talk about God's promises being conditional, but to explain why, just because there are things said in one book in the New Testament epistles about believers, that does not mean that whatever said can be applied to all believers. Again, my initial focus Bible verse for explaining this was Philippians 1.6. For I, Paul, am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Yeshua Christ. That promise from the Lord doesn't come for all believers. It comes for those believers who choose to walk and abide faithfully with Christ. Now, the good Lord, who does not lie, will complete or perfect his will in his faithful children's lives. That's a promise. But we have to be walking and abiding with him in order for him to do that. The good Lord not only can't perfect or complete his will in an unfaithful or disobedient child's life, he doesn't want to do that. God desires to work with those children of his who want to be changed. God only chooses to work with or work through those children of his who choose to walk with him. God only works and grows and matures those children of his who have a humble, repented heart. Now, I share all this stuff, brethren, because you just can't grab a Bible verse promise out of scriptures and expect the Lord to apply it in your life if you're not choosing to walk and abide with him. I share this because it's important for believers to understand you just can't grab a Bible verse promise like Philippians 1.6 and say, well, even though I'm not walking with the Lord, this verse tells me that he's going to perfect himself through me somehow, someday, even though I choose not to abide with him. You can't just grab that Bible verse promise and think the Lord's going to accomplish that in you if you're not striving to walk with him. Again, the good Lord says, if you do as I say, then I will do as I promise. Which means, the Lord says, if you don't do as I say, then I will not do as I promise. Now, would the good Lord like to accomplish and complete his will in all his children's lives? Absolutely. However, our Heavenly Father never, ever forces himself on his children. Our ability to have the Lord's will perfected in our lives begins with us having a godly, humble, teachable, repented attitude. And when a believer is not striving to walk that way, the Lord is given no choice but to shut down the work of the Holy Spirit in his rebellious child's life. Here's an example. Let's look at look at the mess going on here. Second Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul says, I'm afraid that perhaps when I come, I may find that you are not as I wish you were, but I'm going to find out that you're not doing what you should be doing. There'll be strife and jealousy, angry disputes, slander, gossip, arrogance, disturbances. I'm afraid when I come again, my God may humiliate me before you, and I'm going to mourn over many of those believers who have sinned in the past and have not repented of the impurity, immorality, and sensuality that is going on amongst them. The good Lord was most definitely not perfecting these carnal children of his. When it comes to pleasing our Heavenly Father, you're either in or you're out. The Lord said, you know what, lukewarm children make me sick to my stomach. They make me want to throw up. Believers can't choose to serve the Lord half-heartedly and then grab hold of his promises as though God's going to fulfill them promises just because they're his children. The Bible says, if only you had paid attention to my commandments, then your well-being would be like a river and your righteousness like the ways of the sea. Exodus 19 says, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, 
and you shall be my own possession among all the people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy people. Brethren, we got to stay in the scriptures. We have to qualify God's promises for us, not just accept them as something that he freely gives just because we're his children. We have to know what the scriptures teach. We have to discern the scriptures and correctly dissect, analyze, and discern what pleases the Lord. Amos chapter 8 verse 11 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather a famine for hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They will go to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Brethren, you have to search for the scriptures with all your heart. You have to be genuinely seeking truth and then correctly apply that truth in your life if you want to please your Heavenly Father, your true friend in Christ, Brother Bob.